This is the Drive-In Pod, episode 8, take 1. Hey, hey, what do you say? Welcome to the eighth episode of the Drive-In Pod. We have our most fun-filled episode yet for all you listeners at home or in your cars with a throwback review of Project X, a trailer roundup featuring the upcoming Borat 2, and our, our debut of a new segment called Race to the Oscar featuring Miles Teller and Shia Buff. Uh, the Drive-In Boys got a good one in store for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Drive-In Pod. Ah, Ricky Flex, what to do, baby? Hey, Doc, how we doing? Doing well. Good. How how is your uh, uh fall going so far? We're we're first week of October now. It's getting cold. It's getting very cold. I was shocked. I actually had to put on a jacket and uh, long pants. But you know what? It's one step closer to winter. It's like uh, this is the time of year of a new seasons. S E N, right? New seasons. We got soup season coming up. It's getting colder. We got sweatshirt season. We have Jean season. We are, you okay. know, there's another season coming up. What season? Oscar season. Oscar season. I love it, right? We kind of Oscar season. We kind of kicked that off last week with Devil All the Time. We're not exactly following up with our review today, but Ricky Flex, I can't say I've been more excited for a review so far. Honestly, just from the outskirts of this industry, this movie that we're reviewing today has not been talked about enough, and I'm very excited to review it today. Right. And like those high school party movies, okay, trying to be cool, right? Those the kids trying to rise up in the social hierarchy of high school. It's really not talked about enough. So we're going to bring light to it. We're going to uh kind of celebrate, right? What it had to bring mm-hmm. what it brought to the table, but we'll also bring like more of a serious review also to it. Like we'll tell you whether it's actually a good movie or not. So, mm-hmm. we'll get to that, but first off, we got to start off with the checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. And we had some interesting casting news this week where we had almost, it was so unexpected, but Jamie Foxx is set to reprise his role as Electro, uh, known as Max Dillon, in Spider-Man 3 with Tom Holland. Uh, Fox last appeared as the character, right, in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, starring Andrew Garfield, okay? That's back in the early 2010s, okay? Um, so there's a lot of speculation with this casting. Could it hint at a potential Spider-Verse forming? Uh, we had Jamie Foxx also upload a picture on Instagram with three different Spider-Men, right? And then he uh, basically, it was a picture of Holland, uh, McGuire, and Garfield all in the same picture, and he deleted the post. So a lot of speculation there. Ricky Flicks, what do you think about Jamie Foxx reprising his role in the next Spider-Man? So I definitely think that it's a great move by spider-man like i don't know you can't really call it mcu mcu so sony to bring back jamie fox such a big name he's in the news a lot in the, in the news a lot very in, interactive on social media clearly with the spider-man poster that you mentioned but i just think just a great actor just being added to previously jake gyllenhaal as the villain in the pre, uh, previous spider-man and then the previous spider-man before that michael keaton so you're just continuing this slew of just a-list style villains and Jamie Foxx, even though he's already played the role, I feel like with a new director, a new new strategy behind this Tom Holland Spider-Man, he can really make it great. Now, you mentioned 
uh, the Spider Verse. I don't know if I agree with you on that because was well, I wasn't making a statement. It's Jamie Foxx posting it. So I I don't think it was really geared towards that, and I'll tell you why. I think it was more of a celebratory thing, more like he worked with Andrew Garfield and just enjoy of Spider-Man, like bringing being back in this superhero story. I don't necessarily think it would be a spider verse. And I, I just don't see it that going that way, especially when they've already used uh, great villains in those previous stories, like Doc Ock, Green Goblin, you got to bring those back for this one. And I just think a spider verse would be a little too complicated, especially when you already brought it out with the animated Miles Morales uh, Spider-Man movie. So I, I'm not sure about the Spider-Verse, but I'm very excited to see Jamie Foxx and Tom Holland go after it, go at each other. You know what? I think this 100% means there's a Spider-Verse coming. This is 100% what it means. Why else would you cast Jamie Foxx in this role? And you had, uh, you have like the MCU and their mashup with Sony with Tom Holland Spider-Man. They're looking to introduce new villains, right? Typically, they had Mysterio, they had the Vulture, right? With great actors, as we said before. But why the heck would they bring back Jamie Foxx in the same exact role, right? If they weren't connecting universes, this is exactly what they're doing, right? I, they, brought, they brought J. Jonah Jameson from. They literally had him in a post-credit scene that most fans thought was an Easter egg. Right, but then you have him playing the same exact role from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I think they're hundred percent setting up a Spider-Verse. It may not happen in this next movie, but let's say uh, Spider-Man when he separates from the MCU and Tom Tom Holland goes back to completely Sony. Mm-hmm. I think I I can hundred percent see a live-action Spider-Verse, and I think that's what everyone want, everyone wants to see following the success of an animated movie like right uh, into the Spider-Verse. I see your point, and I definitely think it's definitely possible. But I just think the reason why they picked Electro is because they're doing the Sinister Six and they already did Vulture, Mysterio, now Electro. And then now they're going to do uh, well, the rest of the Sinister Six, like Sandman, Craven, and Doc Ock, if I'm not mistaken. So I think Tom Holland wants to play this character for years and he's and willing to, obviously. I think they're just going to keep building towards that Sinister Six. And I like Michael Keaton was teased in the Morbius movie. Mm-hmm. So he's not going away. Mysterio, he's a mysterious character. Who knows if he's dead or not? Fancy that. So I just think that this is not toward, I think this move for to go with Electro isn't more because of a Spider-Verse. It's more because they're putting together the Sinister Six and they were like, oh, Electro, who can we cast? Well, someone's already played him before and he's an A-list actor that's phenomenal, Jamie Foxx. I think it's more towards that and just creating more buzz around this. Wouldn't they want to separate Jamie Foxx? Like, they, wouldn't they want to separate Tom Holland from the Andrew Garfield universe then? Like, why would they recast him the same character? That wouldn't make sense, really. So that's why I initially thought that way with, like, that, the, way, the direction you're thinking. But I've kind of, like, flipped my mind around on it. So you have, like, I think you're, you're on the right track with the Sinister Six. But I think, right, I think the MCU notices that they may not have this character for much longer, okay? What's a way they can speed up getting these villains to the universe and having a Sinister Six Six movie? Let's use the multiverse, right? Let's go to these different uh, universes. Let's grab from, uh, obviously, you have J. Jonah Jameson. You're grabbing him from Tobey Maguire's universe. You're grabbing uh, Jamie Foxx from uh, Andrew Garfield's. I think it's just a way of speeding up for a Sinister Six movie. And I think the best way to do that is by implementing the multiverse just like the like dc's doing with the flash so i think that's kind of like the track that they're thinking at least that'd be my educated guess Mm -hmm. i see what you're saying i definitely feel like like if we take a look back into the original core spider-man with toby Maguire, 
like Doc Ock had his own movie. But then the third one, they included Sandman and Venom when Venom is an arch, like they're both arch nemesis of um, like big rivals to Spider-Man. And they each, you could say, deserve their own movie. They shouldn't have been together, arguably. Right. But I just feel like speeding up the, like what you're saying with this multiverse, multiverse and you don't know how much longer the MCU will have the Spider-Man that's Sony Spider-Man. I'm really afraid now that you've mentioned that because these characters like Doc, Doc Ock, Sandman, like these characters deserve their own movies compared to like a Morbius getting his own movie coming out next year now with um, Jared Leto. So mm-hmm. I guess that's what's kind of making me say, I don't know if I like that strategy that you're saying. And I'm not saying that they're going to do that or they're not, but I just don't like that in my opinion. It sounds like a Sony move rather than a Marvel move. It sounds like Sony is the one that are pushing this agenda mm. of like implementing new villains. I doubt that uh, Kevin Feige was was craving to have Jamie Foxx back as Electro in this next Spider-Man movie. But Sony has most of the creative control there. Um, right. I also think that I, I personally, I didn't like Jamie Foxx in the role in Amazing Spider-Man 2. I thought yeah, me neither. I thought he was garbage and I thought he was campy. I thought he was like trying too hard to make it literally like a comic book character. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was so corny and I just, I hated his character. A lot of his dialogue, I put it on the writers and I know Jamie Foxx is a great actor, but maybe he just doesn't, didn't understand the character well enough. Right. Cause he didn't mm-hmm. seem like he was, he embodied what Electro is. I know like uh, I've only read a few comic books with Electro. I've seen like animated versions of him. I just like, mm-hmm. he looks sick. Like in the blue, it was kind of a reimagining of the character, the way he looked. It, looks, right. it was a cool idea, especially when he grabs like the spider webs and like shock Spider-Man. I think it's really awesome. And I, I saw like some art today from Boss Logic who does a lot of like superhero art. Like he does uh, like imaginings of characters. Mm-hmm. He did one of like uh, Jamie Foxx wearing the classic yellow and green. And it looks sick. I would like, like to uh, see that personally. And, I, and he's a great character. Like I like him. He's one of my favorite Spider-Man villains. So I'd be welcome to having him back, but just having Jamie Foxx doing it, it's like a little bit of redemption for him, I think, in the superhero realm. And it's kind of it's kind of weird that he's doing this role and he was just in Project Power. I wonder, wonder if there's some association there with the type of character he played. No. Oh, that's a good point. But I think that just going back to my original point where the Spider-Verse, I just don't think it's ready yet. Uh, and I don't think this could be the direction they're going. Like they want to kind of dissociate themselves from those previous movies. Like you mentioned, like the Andrew Garfield, I think. And so why do a spider verse that goes back to that? And then also sure. Like the blue looks cool, but I think the original like yellow of electro is sick. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like, and you talk about redemption for Jamie Foxx. I feel like they just want to scrap that and just start new, not necessarily a spider verse connecting to the previous movies, but I don't discount maybe a new spider verse like not connected to the past Spider-Man movies, but you saw like in the animated uh, Amazing Spider-Man movie with Miles Morales that now people like know about it, that people are educated about the Spider-Verse. So you have that opportunity now to like kind of jump into the frame without having to explain it as much. And I know it's like completely different with Miles Morales, like that story is completely different. But now like people know like, all right, Spider-Man, Spider-Verse, I understand what it is now. And then going into this movie that you could go into it and just start fresh. You don't need to do like an origin story of the Spider-Verse. Interesting. So like you could also say, instead of having another Peter Parker being introduced, let's say like a Spider-Man noir somehow comes into mm. the Spider-Verse or something like that. Right. Characters, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of like having to bring in, have to associate Andrew Garfield again, like, like or having to re, like have a reunion with like Tobey Maguire, everyone would want to see it. But if it you would be, a, oh my God, that would but, be like, uh, we like the surprise in Interstellar, like uh, 
everyone's here has seen Interstellar. When Matt, Matt Damon comes into the frame, it's like, what? Like, imagine seeing, like, Tobey Maguire come into the movie, like, out of right. nowhere. That would be a crazy cameo. People start yelling. Like, people yeah. have such an attachment to Tobey Maguire. I can, I mean, I think it's almost an, an inevitability that he's coming back at some point to be in a Spider-Verse movie. I think it's almost a guarantee. Wow. Right. I, oh. I think it's at this point, it's, like, leading on so much. What, when was the last time you saw Tobey Maguire, dude? This would be awesome for him if he came back. Look at the look at my background of my freaking yeah, uh, it's uh, Spider Man two right? poster. My background, I'm sitting. I got amazing. I got not the amazing Spider Man. Spider Man two classic. Tobey Maguire mm-hmm. swinging with Mary Jane by by his side. It's just like such an iconic figure in, in superhero lore that like mm-hmm. I think would be sick. But uh, I have one more f- question before we move on. So if if there is a Spider Verse forming. Who else would you love to see join the MCU and Tom Holland's universe from previous um, Spider-Man adaptions? Well, I think the obvious one would be Doc Ock. I think Mm -hmm. it depends who plays it, but yeah, if he can play Doc Ock again, or they get someone that just has that charisma and the motivation to like really just break out of his shell. I feel Mm -hmm. like that would be such a good addition, especially because he's, he is as mentioned before in the sinister six. So I think that would be a great addition. And I also think, you saw in Vulture how they kind of reinvigorated, reimagined the Vulture character in the, the Tom Holland first Spider-Man. I think they could do that with a couple of the other previous characters like Sandman. I think they could do something different rather than just a bank robber. I think they could do something with Sandman where, who's also in the Sinister Six, that reimagines him and makes him more, makes him more interesting to the character, not just a side character to Venom, who really was the big villain in the Spider-Man 3. How about you? I mean, I've always been saying, like, for the past few years, or at least since uh, Spider-Man Homecoming came out, like, they have to figure out a way to incorporate the Osborne family into the MCU. Oh, yes. So I'm thinking, like, potentially there, somehow, if you can bring in Harry and uh, Norman Osborne, like, Willem Dafoe, like, coming back as the Green Goblin Ooh. and Norman Osborne, that'd be Ooh. kind of wild. Um and I like like there's if there goes three Spider-Man movies without the Osborns being mentioned, I think that's a catastrophe. Especially because like Norman Osborn like has like connections to other, um like he, he's an antagonist to Spider-Man primarily, but he's had relationships like antagonistic relationships with other like heroes in the Marvel universe, and uh, mm-hmm. he's he's created super teams right to go against the Avengers. I think it'd be really cool if they somehow brought him in, right? Willem Dafoe is just like he. I thought he was incredible as that villain. I know people always want to see him as Joker, but I think he's almost outaged that particular right. character. And he can still play like a Norman Osborn. So it's supposed to be like someone's dad, someone older. So he can still do that. Um, I, I don't think, mm-hmm. I don't think that it would be a catastrophe though, if they didn't bring him in yet. I understand how it's kind of weird how it's like you make three Batman movies. And you don't have Joker, right? Yeah. It's like the same thing, but I do think you can get like a pass. Like Spider-Man gets a pass here because of the MCU and the end of end Infinity War and Endgame. How the first two movies were so correlated with that, they kind of needed needed to focus on that storyline for the past ten years. They're relying on this, and they kind of wrapped it up. So I think they can get a pass really for the for not having it in the first three movies. They're always concerned with like the interconnected universe. They're they're, they're yeah. more focused on the bigger picture rather than the micro perspective. I think I think that's they're more on the macro. I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like I guess like they don't have to do it, but I just it just makes sense if they do because he's such right. an important character to Spider Man. Um, okay, so moving on, we have Jake Gyllenhaal and Oscar Isaac set to star as Robert Evans and Francis Coppola in a biopic style movie on the making of the Godfather. Flicks. What do you think about this one? You hyped for it? 
Oh, I'm so hyped. Godfather, obviously, is one of the greatest movies of all time. And really, this story, I honestly... I honestly, I knew, like, making The Godfather, I knew that, like, Al Pacino and Michael Cor- uh sorry, not Michael Cor- as Michael Corleone, and Brando weren't, like, the Paramount's first choices, but they were Francis Ford Coppola's. That's all I knew about, like, the complications with uh, the making of The Godfather. But, like, I just read up on it after the story broke and, like, how, like, there were such complications between Coppola and Paramount and Jake Hall's character. And I'm really intrigued to see this. Like there's stories of problems with insufficient funds, even though they were there, but it's because Paramount just did not like Coppola's style and did not like his casting choices. And they didn't believe in it. Arguably the greatest movie of all time. They didn't believe in it. Mm -hmm. Like they, like there's scenes in the Godfather when Michael Corleone's in Vegas, but in the, and like Francis Ford Coppola's like, we got to go to Vegas. And Paramount said, no, we're not, you're not going, you're going to do this in the studio. And that was like a mm-hmm. big riff. And like Francis Ford Coppola wasn't even the first choice to make this movie, like direct this movie. So wild to think about. Insane. And he's one of the greatest filmmakers of, our, of all time as well. I keep saying of all time, but that's what you really associate the Godfather with. You got to use of all time, the greatest uh, ever, ever. <laughs> right. So I really am interested. In, and then the casting choices just come on, like what Oscar, I, I, like two of the biggest names Who going right now. Boys on the drive-in pod, Oscar Isaac, our king, and then Jake Gyllenhaal, like maybe the best actor going without an Oscar. Like I'm, yeah, exactly. Without an Oscar, like I'm, for your uh, listeners, I'm bringing out the drive-in Oscar. Yep. I'm telling you. That beautiful golden statue. There will be an Oscar one from this movie, whether it's Barry Livingston or one of the actor performances. Mm-hmm. Has to. That's like, it's like required. If you associate yourself with The Godfather, Oscars should be associated with it. I know The Godfather didn't win Best Picture, but that's what it should be associated with it. Right. I, I love the idea for this movie. I think it's incredible. Like, I think it, like, there should be more movies like this rather than yes. remaking The Godfather. How the hell did they make it in the first place? Right. I, lo- I love that idea more. Um, I love biopic style movies. This duo is incredible, as we just talked about. Um, yeah, honestly, we we're, one of our new segments is race to an Oscar, right? Who's going to win an Oscar first? Who would you put your money on? You could do it with these two actors. You could do it with Jake. Definitely Jones. can. Two very, very talented, right, performers. Um, yeah. So Francis Coppola, right, legendary figure. Maybe Robert Evans is he also is a legendary figure. It's just not many people actually know about Robert Evans, right? Right. Show. Um, and we always see tweets that go around social media talking about how, like, uh, giving us, like, these Easter eggs or, like, this information that was never known about movies being made, like, uh, complicate mm-hmm. who's initially supposed to star, things like that. And it's going to be interesting, like, with, like, possibly uh, people playing, like, Al, uh, people playing Al Pacino, people playing Ar- Marlon Brando in this film, right? Like, you have, like, modern actors playing those characters, mm-hmm. those actual actors. That'd be kind of cool. And like uh, in guest appearances type of thing, like they're featured in the movie. Yeah. Uh, that'd, that'd be sick. Or like they're produ- like Al Pacino helps produce like, or executive producers or something like that. Like being on the set of this movie would be great to see and just like get his perspective. And also like, and also just to go along with that, Francis Ford Coppola was so young making this movie as well. Mm-hmm. He was in his early thirties, I believe. So that's also just brings out the complications, but he could like, I know his da- his daughter is also a great filmmaker. Maybe she could be associated with this as well. Maybe, but I know Barry Levinson, like he's a great filmmaker, Oscar nominated and also a winner um, for Rain Man, I believe. Yes, um, Rain Man. So I'm just looking forward to this movie a lot. Right. 
Interesting movie, interesting concept. So uh, last part of the checkup, we have a couple other movies that were pushed back to 2021 or later in 2021, I should say. Unfortunately, No Time to Die has been pushed back to April 2nd of next year. And we have F9, right? So that's Fast and Furious franchise pushed back to May 28th. It's 2021 for a summer release date. For Space will wait. Space will wait. Right. So we got F9 entering uh, the stratosphere, right? Next wow. year. Um, no Time to Die. That's a heartbreaker. That. that was one of the most anticipated movies of the year. We have to wait on seeing our golden girl, Ana de Armas, unfortunately. Tough break. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, we're pushing one more year until a potential uh, casting for the next James Bond, too. Right? They want to release mm-hmm. this. Then we talked about Tom Hardy allegedly uh, being the next James Bond, but they wanted to announce it after the movie. Maybe that, like, that's, those future movies are being pushed back as well. Is No Time to Die, is that getting pushed to after this, like, because, like, Oscar season's getting, or the Oscar year is getting pushed till April? I, f- I forget what you uh, said. When is No Time to Die being pushed? Is it still going to be considered for the Oscars coming up next April, or will it be? So. It's April 2nd, 2020. Okay. We don't have Oscar, like, aspirations for that. No, movie. but uh, James Bond, what do you affiliate with James Bond besides the actual character and, like, the side character, uh, the woman, is the score. The score is always an Oscar-nominated score. So that's why I was, that's like one just off the list right there for other movies to come chime in and get a nominated Oscar for their score. Like Joker, like that one for score last year to get it more praise. And besides, like in case Joaquin didn't win. For the most Oscars. Like, yeah, it was nominated for the most Oscars, Oscars, but only won two. And only won right. two. Like it's still I didn't won Oscars. expect to win much, but I was, I was just surprised by the amount of nominations there. It won, I mean, best actor. You win that, like that's Yeah, amazing. right. But I was just saying like the score with James Bond is like, it's always nominated for an Oscar. Think of Adele, like Skyfall, my lord. Oh yeah, so but, best original song for sure. Mm-hmm. Who's doing? It's a uh, Billy Eilish. Billy Eilish, and it already right. came. Out. Yeah, and it already came out. It was decent. It was okay. I didn't love it, but I'm just saying, like, it was probably just because of the name and the stature. James Bond probably would have been nominated. Maybe we uh, do a top billing best James Bond songs. Ooh, that'd be good. There's there's a lot of good ones. Right, and I think that maybe that's a combined list. Maybe that's one where we just uh mold our minds together and think of a top five mm, mold all right. the minds so that does it for the checkup we're going to move on to the trailer roundup now we had a couple good trailers right in this past week first one we have the witches right a remake from the 1990 movie the book right from rolled rolled doll it's coming to hbo max right for a halloween release october 22nd uh synopsis you have a little boy and his kindly grandmother thwart the efforts of a, co- a coven of witches to rid Britain of children by turning them into mice. Okay. So it's classic rolled doll story. Rick, Ricky flex. You ever, uh, hear, you ever read the story? Nope. Never read it. Yeah. You didn't have like your teachers in class read it for to you in like fourth grade. I know people who did read it. I just not interested. People love that book. And I, I mean, I'm a big rolled doll. Roll doll. Roll doll yeah. yeah. Legend, right. Legend of the game. Um, Shout out Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And right. also the second one, like when they go, like the elevator, was that one? Uh, Charlie the Great Glass Elevator? Yeah, I love that book. I, mm-hmm. People only talk about uh, Willy Wonka. I love that book. Now, World Doll's a legend. And I think I love like the, the adaptions of his books into movies. And uh, I never saw the original Witches, but I kind of like uh, what I saw from this trailer. I like that it's coming on HBO Max, right? I think this was initially going to get a theater, a theatrical release. Putting this on HBO Max right in time for... Halloween, pretty, it's a smart move by Warner Brothers. And it's their first like major, major release on HBO Max. They had uh, American Pickle, 
which uh, was kind of underwhelming to a lot of people, uh, both streaming wise and critically. But mm-hmm. I think this one's going to get a lot of views. And it's got a lot of talent, right? It's got uh, it's got Anne Chris Hathaway, Rock, Chris Rock, maybe Spencer, right? Stanley Tucci, a lot of Oscar nominated and Oscar winners are part of that cast. Right. Yeah, I definitely. So I love Roald Dahl. And the story is definitely, like, I think this will get streamed a lot. Like a lot of people will watch this. Oh yeah. And I think that this is great for HBO max because it adds more original content to their catalog. They're like right now they're kind of known for having just a great historical catalog. Like people just go there. It's like, Oh, they, oh there's, there's, yeah, there's classics of bangers. Yeah, exactly. Of movies and shows, but this is a HBO max streaming show. So mm-hmm. this is really good for them. Especially at the, like you mentioned, right around Halloween this has that Halloween vibe. Right. But I am wondering, is this going to be a limited series? So, like, one season? I think or... it's a movie. Oh, it's a movie. Oh, my God. I thought it was a series this entire oh, yeah, time. Wow. Well, I... Oof, wake wow. up, Flex. Wake up. I know. But I I also just don't love, like, the mice. Like, the actual <laughs> mice. He's not a rodent it. guy. Like, I, there's I'm not. I don't like no, watching I, mice I talk. The, I hate, like, the, the even, like, thinking about mice. I, even, I hate even thinking I just, about oh, walking hey. around. I know we talked about uh, – we were talking – this is off uh, the podcast the other day. Ricky Flex and I were talking about the Bugs Life ride at uh, <laughs> yes. what they call it, Disney World. And one of the parts, they have, like, mice crawl, like, fake crawl around your ankle. I literally left the, the, the ride. Right, the theater, you're in for a Bugs Life ride. I just left. Like, I couldn't deal with it. Not worth it. Don't go if you haven't been. Well, there's not going to be anything, like, too bad here. It's, like, for kids and stuff. I, it, I think right. It's, it's a good uh, – it's, like it's, it's going to get a lot of streams. And, it's, like, the kids are going to love it. Robert Zemeckis directing. So, you know, it's going to be, like, positive, uplifting story at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and then you have uh, – you know who does the screenplay for this movie, Flex? No. Guillermo del Toro. Okay. Oh, well, that's going to be great. We got some talent here, right? And he loves, like, the horror genre, like, the creepy yeah. genre. He's and Anne Hathaway is just in her, pr- like, in her, similar to Hugh Jackman, just, like, that, like, uh, performer-type role, right? Yeah. So this is one where she could just perform, be in like, a show. She's not playing a real person, like, something right. realistic. She gets to kind of lose herself a little bit. And I think she's, like, I, I, I love that. I like Anne Hathaway, and, uh, like, I think she's more talent. Like, she doesn't get enough uh, shine. I think like when mm-hmm. people talk about like the best actresses going, she doesn't look at like mentioned at all. Like, like the Brie Larson's that are always talked about now. Right. And then you have mm-hmm. uh, like, like I know people are talking about Zendaya right now, but like, and like Margot Robbie, but like, like Margot Robbie. That's more, that's yeah. But like Anne Hathaway's in like hustlers and like those crappy. It wasn't or, hustlers, was or, it? Not hustlers. Uh, the one where Ocean's she's eight? Steve. What? Ocean's eight. Oh God. Uh, no, I'm talking about the one where it's like her and like the fat girl from pitch perfect. Uh, you know yeah, where they steal Rebel Wilson? Rebel Wilson? Yeah, they steal. They're like she's teaching her how to steal and stuff. Like uh, just, okay. the, I forget what the title movie is, but that was terrible. I didn't finish that. Right. So she's like, almost like Reese Witherspoon, where she like do one good movie and then just do a bunch of crappy ones. Exactly. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, is exactly that. Like she could be nominated for an Oscar, but then just take some cash and to make like something that would be rated like 10 percent Rotten Tomatoes, like terrible movies. But and this one just seems like it's her style of her just going after it, just being just out of this world out of having the box fun. character and having, having fun, fun. Mm-hmm. yeah that's a good point i mean i love, like she's a bunch of great movies dude and she won an oscar like she's lay men yeah dark knight rise she's a great Catwoman, in my opinion she was great definitely Stellar. like she is a wonderful actress and i think I, I want people to like remember that like and hopefully she does well in this role um okay so next trailer ricky flex we have we've had a lot of great trailers in the past few months okay um 
and this just adds to the list. We have Borat 2, okay? We, it was recently announced that uh, Sasha Brown Cohen would be delivering a sequel to uh, uh, Amazon Prime October 23rd. Shout out Ricky Flix's and Dr. O's dad's birthday. Uh, so the title for the sequel is Borat Subsequent Movie Film. <laughs> Initially, <laughs> what the title was, was, okay, are you ready for this? Borat, gift a pornographic monkey to Vice Premier Mikhail Pence to make benefit recently diminished nation of Kazakhstan. <laughs> All right. So we have the, the sequel to the 2006 legendary comedy. Okay, Ricky Flex, what were your uh, takeaways from this trailer? I have titles still. I say that five times fast. But like, or I get the pornographic monkey device from here. Mikhail Pence to make benefit recently diminished nation of Kazakhstan. But, get the pornographic monkey device from here. Mikhail Pence to make benefit recently diminished nation of Kazakhstan. Twice is enough. Yeah, man, it's a lot. But I'm very pumped for this movie. Obviously, poor Rez. It's unreal comedy. Very out of the box style of making a movie. And they're doing it again with such a well-known character now. Like everyone could recognize Borat. And it's interesting that they put that in the movie. How mm-hmm. they were saying how he could be, they needed to put disguises and they put a spin on that. And that's going to be a part of the movie. I think that's a great idea. Another thing I took out of this movie was that, wow, it was a long trailer. It was a three minute trailer. You don't really see those nowadays. Three right. minutes. And you know that, sure, like you're going to say, oh, you think you saw the movie. Oh, like you saw, like I don't need to go see it or something like that. But it's like you see, like, wearing a fake Trump, Trump and like, right. Trump, you're like, okay, I know what happens at the very end. But mm-hmm. uh, as you were saying, go ahead. Yeah, there's going to be more content to be seen here that are, is going to be must see and it's going to be laugh out loud funny. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Dude, I'm so pumped for this movie. I think there's almost, I, I'm, I, I say I'm super pumped, but my expectations aren't as high as like, I think it's going to be like the same level as the first one. The first one was such a pop culture phenomenon. Yeah, you can't match that. No, like, like, so like when we, we, I was in like sixth grade when this movie came out, when, when Borat came out back in 06. Uh, and uh, I remember telling my friends I saw Borat and like we, we rented it for as, as a DVD on New Year's, okay, with our family. And our dad was like, Why, what is this movie? And like, we were so young, we didn't even know what it was. Ricky Flex was fourth grade when he saw this movie. <laughs> fourth yeah. grade. And so uh, he puts it on, right? So for New Year's, we usually just like recycle a bunch of movies. Like we just go through, I shouldn't say Yeah, recycle. we've mentioned that on the pod before. We did? Yeah, okay. we accepted. Go, yeah, you're right. And so uh, we just watch a bunch of movies till midnight. We get Borat. Our dad heard it's a hilarious movie. Little did he know what we were in for. First so, scenes, Borat in that bathing suit. Yeah, first scene and him in Kazakhstan. And then I remember uh, once he started talking and like, then we see like what he was like basically About. suppressing Jews like in the movie, like making it a joke. Uh, they had like the running of the Jews scene where they had like the monster come out and all and, like laying an egg and like everybody running from the monster. The cockroaches. I remember that's exactly when uh, our mom absolutely just left the room. And then she was saying, like, dig, 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 Mr. O, turn this off, right, Dad? She's like, no, turn this off, turn this off. And then, uh, like, I was, honestly, our, our dad wanted to, but it was just too electric. It was too funny. <laughs> too funny. We, couldn't, we couldn't turn our heads away. It was just too funny. And uh, it's just like you couldn't – then, like, the next five years after Borat came out, you couldn't go walking in, like, the school – like middle school, high school, without someone saying "my wife" yeah. or, or just saying "not." The not jokes were massive. The not jokes and started then, a revolution. What's the other one? My wife, the not. Uh, no, but it's just going to be interesting in this story. Like you see in the trailer where he's out, like in the hit in the 
like Hicktown, like where people don't know who he is. Like that's kind of what they had to do is like go, the boondocks. Yeah. They had to go places where they won't recognize him because you can't just stay in disguise the whole movie because the whole movie is around this, this brand, this persona of Borat. So you, need, you can't just have him in disguise the whole movie. So right. it's going to be really interesting to see how they're going to revolve around that being in the boondocks and then see where they go to get to Mikhail Pence. He's so, he's so recognizable. Mikhail Pence. He's so recognizable in the character that he can't go anywhere without someone be like, that's Borat. Like, right. like you see him like in the different costumes him going like i think it looks like he's in the he's in like the ozarks or something but uh there's like, like if i saw him i would like ask for an autograph of course <laughs> i would just I would, I, would, I would be like hey like but just, no actually no i would go selfie i would just like take a selfie with him yeah I'd be like, like real quick so and hopefully he would like slap me in the head or something i, I would hope i would make the movie somehow like and he then would get have, like, like, get, just, like yeah act into it like act like i don't know who he is Ooh, ooh yeah like in practical jokers like what they do right and then, uh, so Ricky Flex, what I want to do, right, with this trailer, we have it coming out October 23rd, very soon. We have it coming out prior to an election, right? And we have a story that's based around, uh, got a political background to it, a political focus, I should say, with uh, the Mike, Mike Pence in the background. You see him in the trailer and Donald Trump, uh, a fake out at the end of it. So let's do a thermometer predictor here, right? For those who aren't aware, thermometer predictor is where we guess the Rotten Tomato scores for up- upcoming movies. Last one we did was Trial of Chicago 7. Let's do Borat subsequent movie film. All right. So Ricky Flex, what's your uh, predictor? What's it reading? So this one is going to be interesting. Like when Borat first came out, that was like before cancel culture and where before and like no one knew who he was. And the story was just like so outlandish and so unique and original that like it's a cool classic. Now it's like, you got to try to redo a cool classic. And when you're totally recognizable, which is like the whole thing is that no one knows who Borat is this fake character. But still, it's still Sasha Baron Cohen. It's still going to be unique, obviously, especially what's going on in the political climate today. I just don't feel like critics are going to accept this movie at all. And they're not going to be given the same leeway, even though like, I do think that they will go all out. I just don't think it'll be to the same extent. And I don't think critically it'll do well. I think we will love it. And like, we will laugh. Like, Audience scores. Yeah, we'll be on our butts laughing, <laughs> laughing and crying to this movie. But... I just think it's going to be 47, 47 on the yeah. thermometer predictor. We're on the same page here. Ricky yeah. First off, the first one, right? It's a 91%. What is a 91? 91. Oh my God. So it, like it was right. It was as we're saying, oh my God. cancel culture. But even if it wasn't cancel culture, we got a sequel coming to a movie that did so well the first a time. A cult classic. Critically. It's, it's so hard to do. I don't even know what I consider a cult classic. It's just a classic. Because it like okay. a lot of people saw it the first time, like it wasn't like uh, something that found it wasn't a phenomenon way after. It was a phenomenon like when it happened, you know. So uh, okay, what I'm I'm thinking that this it's a sequel to a very successful comedy, right? Years it's down the road, fourteen years later, right? Mm-hmm. And this is wow. during cancel culture. It's got politics involved. It's gonna upset people, right? I'm gonna go with forty percent. I'm, wow, so I'm even lower, but uh, I think it's just not going to be accepted as widely as the first one. People are going to be offended by the jokes. Uh, critics are way more like they always are very much in the liberal side. They're going to be even more liberal here. It could even like be going against, it could be like making fun of Trump and everything. And like uh, the, his, uh, his uh, decision-making process and his, like uh, his, his 
term in office, just kind of making fun of like the policies being made and or trying to be made and like make America great again. And I can see them like kind of like laughing at the fact that they're making fun of it, but it's still going to be very politically divided. I think. Yeah, right? it might be a little cringy at times as well. Right. No, wow, I cringy. You kidding me? I'm still in <laughs> shock that the first one critically got a 91 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I was looking it up trying to see, like, okay, so is it going to be that good? And then I just think, wow. like, it's going to be hard to create the magic that he did. With this mm-hmm. Like, you're not totally agree. away with as much. They didn't know that was Sasha Barone Cohen. Now you know it's Sasha Barone Cohen running around doing things. I don't think it's going to be as genuine as the first one. Right, and then also, like, the sidekick, we don't know, like, his, what his uh, daughter's going to be like. Right. Compared to his sidekick in the last one. Ozma. Where yeah. is Ozma? That's if a big in question in this. Dude, yeah. If he was in the movie, I would say 60%. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just such a reliable duo. And if, and he's not coming back in the movie. I, I read about it. Ozma, oh, wow. Back. Yeah, I don't get to see him driving the ice cream truck with a bear in the back. Oh, like, my God. I, I got to get my boy, Ozma, back in there. He was right. so electric in that movie. It's, gonna, it's just sad to see him go. And, like, it's just like the first one. The story was so stupid, like getting Pamela Anderson to marry him. Like, that's what made it so good. This one's like kind of so serious that it you might take that away. Politics. Yeah, and like, you're, it's, it's a huge risk. And I just don't think it's going to pay off. It might pay off for last, but not for the story. And then my last point on this is that when you see these sequels being made, you see them refer to the first movie. And like in this trailer, you saw his... Uh, <laughs> His daughter is sitting in the back seat and asked, like, why can't I sit in the front seat? He's like, this is only for uh, my grizzly bear or whatever. It's like for men and something bear. Oh, right. But uh, men and just like – The woman sit in the back. Yeah, right. Well, it certainly hasn't but, lost a touch. But, like, when you see movies do that, these type of sequels, they, that doesn't send a good signal to me, like, okay. critically. It just doesn't send a good signal. I mean, I, I, I just – I'm like, I – I don't think he's going to be able to capitalize on the same jokes he did. He, even if he does make the same jokes, it's going to like, people are going to be offended by it and they're going to mm-hmm. like, do it like much, much more harshly. Right. So like, like that joke is like, like him being basically just putting down, like, being oppressing women nonstop in the movie and oppressing Jews. He's not gonna be able to like, let that fly. Right. Mm-hmm. But then people are going to like say also, if he doesn't do it, that he's like pulling his punches. So like either way, I think it's just going to be reviewed pretty mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Um, Okay, that does it for the checkup and the trailer roundup, right? Now we will be moving on to our throwback review of the episode, okay? And our first ever, it's kind of like our, it's our second throwback review. We did, uh, we did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, okay? We sort of a throwback review going back to last year. Mm-hmm. We're going back, okay, uh, to nearly a decade ago with Project X, okay? Yes. High school, comedy, uh, kids, three, this, uh, uh, unpopular three uh threesome okay boys they decide they're gonna throw a banger right before the end of their high school careers uh for uh one of their friend's birthday parents go away for the week there for their anniversary and then all chaos ensues Mm -hmm. uh ricky flex right so this is the first time we watched this movie in a very long time correct too long too long too long so when i say the words project x what pops in your head with Miles Teller first. Miles <laughs> Teller. Miles Teller cameo. And the gnome. Him dancing. Him dancing. Um, second thing, probably uh, Pursuit of Happiness. Definitely. All-time montage song. And this movie really showed that. And then lastly, I guess what pops in my mind is just like insanity. Like right. dreams. It, like, High school I, dreams. 
for me, I think you nailed it with it's the music, dude. The soundtrack for this movie is so unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Um, and like (laughs) every scene that like certain songs pop, like pop in, uh, or or introduced, they start playing. It's like almost perfect, right? I think it's honestly the best part of the movie. Like, uh, like the kids are rolling up to the part the party to Beaver Benzer Bentley, and uh, yes, 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 that was perfect. and then you have like the iconic scene of uh, Costa, who's like the confident one of the three, right? Still not a very popular dude, but thinks he's like in the sweater popular. vest. In the sweater vest, him like talking to the cops, coming back to the party, raising his chalice, and he's like, "To the Brigantino!" And then they just go, and then and then pursuit of happiness starts playing. Right. And, like that's just in that montage, right? Um, that's partying, and then like I think that the movie just like capitalized on like party culture back then, mm-hmm. and then like people just wanting to be cool, like, like obviously wanting to be like drinking in high school, taking drugs, and like they wanted to make it look like uh, almost like it was college in high school, right? right? But uh, the, I thought the music just nails it. Yeah, you have like push the tea trouble on my mind, like in, uh-huh. <laughs> which was ridiculous. Tipsy. Like that's another like montage scene, right? Tipsy club mix, that's right. unreal. A track was in this as well, and Nas. And we mentioned Pursuit of Happiness. And then oh, freaking Heads Will Roll, another A track remix. That yeah, was as I said, Heads Will Roll. That's phenomenal. And then like the next episode, Doctor Dre, and like right. this, the soundtrack was just it's it, it like it if you were this movie came out when I was in high school. So like we, it was, it was like, a, it was a cultural phenomenon too. At that point, right. We talked about Borat earlier. Definitely. Like everyone, like if we went to a party, or went to someone's house, like there was uh, people playing songs from this movie. Like yeah. the soundtrack. For, because of this and movie. The, 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 like Pursuit of Happiness. Like I hear that song. What do you think of? I think of Project X every time. Yeah. Dude. Every yep. time. I think of the ecstasy getting pop, like getting, uh, uh, getting thrown around the floor after uh, Miles Teller cracks the gnome with a right. baseball bat. Um, we'll talk about Miles, Te- Miles Teller in a second, but uh, let's talk about like uh, I know we just talked about the soundtrack. But let's talk about the actual movie for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about the way it was shot? Right, it had mm-hmm. like that student shooting a video documentary type of, style, uh, documentary project style. What do you think about it? You think it worked or what? It definitely worked for this movie. It's you see so many of these movies where these like nerds throw a party or just like these high school movies at a party, and it's just kind of like it, they're great but it's just the normal movie sets. Right. And this movie, like, is just so unique because it's filmed like that, like a kid actually running, like it's filmed or like jumping in a pool, like, but it actually looks like it's actually someone that's jumping in a pool or something like that. It's just ridiculous. And the flashes I feel really encapsulated the movie because it made you feel like you were there. Like if you're at a, like in a dark room and someone puts on a flashlight you could see like the, everyone's reaction, like in the movie. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like, get like, that out of my face! Yeah, like, calm down. Like, get that out of my face. And you saw that in this movie. It was very realistic. And it was, like, like, shot with an iPhone, dude. That's what it looks yeah. like. And like, when, like I think what really encapsulates, like, really shows that is like when Miles Tower gets there and comes off off the the bus. He's like, "Why are the cameras? Why are the cameras?" And like, I just thought like that close up with the flash right in his face really showed like, all right, like it seems like you're actually like. Right. and then it like it, it felt like if someone pulled out a camera at a college party it's like you take it out all of a sudden the darkness that's shining on someone's face you see how like messed up they are right from yeah yeah how drunk they are like like, like it shines and jb was like the fat kid of, like of the friend group it's, mm-hmm. it's just like sloshed right yeah. or like, like the hangover like in those pictures yeah so it's it's yeah exactly and it's uh I kind of like the idea because it's a high school film. It's like high schoolers documenting what's happening. So I think it, it worked. 
Uh, I thought it was unrealistic sometimes. It was obviously all real. Yeah, unrealistic. All unrealistic. But, like, it's, like, the way it's shot in terms of, like, what they captured, like, during it. So that's the only thing that kind of, like, is a downfall. Like, everything that they captured, like, okay, really, you caught everything like that on that camera? Like, that you're shooting a high school documentary for? So that part's unrealistic. But, um, but also, like, I know I mentioned this during the movie. It's just, it's interesting to see how, like, the director and the producers, like, told everyone else besides the main... It's like, it's like if they told the main characters and, like, the minor characters... Everyone that had lines in this movie, like, all right, like, focus on the story. But then they just grabbed a bunch of random people and just said, go party. Just don't... That's, and that's, and that's then they showed awesome. pictures. It's like they showed pictures of the main characters and said... These are the people that, like, you don't want to mess with because, like, they're crucial to the movie. But other they're than like, that – Go have fun. Go girl, have fun. Go take your tops off. Go go in the pool, right? Start – go bounce around the bounce house. Start your shirts yeah. on. We'll get – we'll get – we'll make sure we'll get you in the camera on the – on the – uh in the frame later, okay? Yeah. And, like, literally, they're saying, like, go – if I was directing, you're right. They're just like, okay, just, like, party your balls off and we're just going to capture yeah. it. Yeah, and it's I'm like, not saying – yeah. I'm not saying that's what happened, but that's what it felt like, which made this movie even better and encapsulated that environment. So it, it just felt so real at the time because of the way it was shot. Right. And then, like, the people in this movie are, like, 25 years old. Playing yeah. Yep. And then, like, I, like, obviously the girls, like, are just super hot. And, like, it's just yep. they're literally, like, models. And uh, it's, it just makes me think how it takes place in northern Pasadena and, like, just, like, Cal- how cool California kids are. Yeah, like the skateboard on the roof and the kid jumping off the roof with the skateboard. Right. Like, you don't see that anywhere else besides California. looking there and everyone's just like... Oh. Everyone's good looking. And like, yeah. they just like, live the best lives. And it makes me uh, hate the fact that I live in Connecticut watching the people in California <laughs> live like that. But, uh, yeah, and obviously, like, in terms of the story, uh, it gets out of hand at the end. Like, it's just so chaotic. Yeah. Like, this is what we... This is just a pure entertainment popcorn flick pure entertainment popcorn flick uh a lot of the jokes are very crude um like like they're, they're hilarious i forgot how funny this movie actually was even the before the party it's hilarious like, yeah with like a drug dealer he's going around like yeah like seeing the drug dealer stealing the gnome like give me back my effing gnome and then he comes <laughs> back in the movie he cracks the windshield then he comes back and smashes into the car he's like he's a terminator and then uh but I, I love the fact when Costa's spreading news about the party and he sends out the mass text, like with the old, it, it was like a, it was like a, it was pre like iPhones. It was like, right. was he's in the, he called the radio show in the stall in the bathroom. Right. But like, he's like, the text goes out. It says like, uh, hot girls wear, was like, wear something tight. Yeah. <laughs> like ugly bitches stay home. Right. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like the most crude, like something like it could not be made today. Like you yeah, can't ever. Today, especially about high schoolers and then uh him walking around saying the same thing to all the girls and then just it's just classic i, I just loved costa in this movie and i thought like the the chemistry between the three was great and uh i thought like they always like they knew their place in the story and uh and yeah i, I definitely like, so i think it's funny that you said the chemistry between the three because you know what this reminds me of is super bad because of those three characters you have like the jonah hill character being costa you have the thomas mann character the birthday boy being michael sarah and you have like jb being uh fogel Fogel. sorry yeah he does look like seth rogan if you do like a player (laughs) comp but uh physical like similarities right and i think that brings me to another downfall or drawbacks this movie besides the ending that we mentioned and it's like if you just flip like those three characters, obviously like better actors and super bad, like those three. So like it would make this movie even better. But I feel, really feel like Costa like 
did very well, honestly. And I'm sad I, I've never seen him in another movie. I think this movie might have destroyed all their careers. Well, I think I, I'm pretty sure he was in TV shows. Like, okay. after, like this like catapulted him to like, not, not like greatness, but like to be in regular things. Out of more gigs. Yeah, more gigs, exactly. But I feel like, and JB did great, and Costa did great. I feel like Thomas Mann, if that was Michael Sarah, like, oh, I feel like that would have been like, if you like had a switch, that would be the only real upgrade to this movie. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I, I, I think it would have been awesome if you had a recognizable face. I think it might have been, it would have done better for the movie itself. Like it would have been more, like, we haven't seen this movie in years. If Michael Sarah was in this role, we would, it would be on TV a lot more. No, but all right. Right. Talking about like how it's received. Like, what are you saying? No, no. So like, imagine like when Superbad came out, right? Like Jonah Hill, and Michael Sarah, like they were known, but not like, like crazy known. Like I think after I think Superbad, wouldn't take this movie because it's not like for acting. It's like you know, it's mm-hmm. just they're just it's a popcorn flick. It's just for the fact you want to see people party. And like the main characters are in the movie, but honestly, like the parts that people look forward to aren't like the romantic subplot, right? That just like was thrown in there. It was more about and like the kids are like their lives are ruined at the end of this movie too. Yeah, it's like they act like nothing's like wrong at the end. They say, "Oh yeah, I'm charged with six crimes, and it'll be okay though." And it's just like I just I just think it's. All they wanted to show the good soundtrack. They wanted to show the kids partying. They wanted a lot of people just to see the movie. Like Michael Sarah's probably like, I don't even need to act in this movie. I just walk around. No, right. I, mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like it's after Superbad, those guys' careers kind of lifted up. And I know it's totally different because Judd Apatow, yeah. Seth Rogen, and Bill Hay- like you know what I mean. But like I'm just saying, like like you said, like Costa, like what is he in after this? You would expect them like a movie like of this magnitude, like so well known. Like would have those characters or those actors would have been they would have risen higher in their right. careers. That's what I'm yeah. saying, and I'm saying that not. That, necessarily- yeah, I think it's a, it's definitely disappointing that they haven't done anything because you. Would, yeah, you're right. Like this movie, like it was a cultural phenomenon in 2012. Like everyone was talking about Project X. Of course, yeah, where are they now? Mm-hmm. But yeah. what do you give this as a score? I'm I'm interested to see what you say. So I also one thing I wanted to mention before I gave a score is that like I hated like the story like the end of it where it's it made it look like the intro starts playing like like the song intro yeah. and like they're like high five and everybody at the end saying like oh we finally did like the point of the movie is for them to become cool but their lives are ruined like the message for this movie was so bad like it's like you want like it's okay to like ruin your future as long as you're cool. It's like, that's what it basically said at the end. It was, and I was just like, this is like why critics hated this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't think it's a good message now. In high school, I'm like, oh my God, this movie's amazing. But like watching it now, it's like, this, the, it doesn't have a payoff. It doesn't, it's not as good. Um, montages were great. I'm going to go, man, I'm going to go 55. 55 out of 100 for Project X. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I Googled this real quickly while you were talking. I'm going to read a review. Okay, it's uh like one sentence, so it's like a it's like one of those Google's like after you search like Project X reviews, it's like one of those Google top Google results. Project X bears a cravenly piggish attitude toward toward rewarding socially unacceptable behavior that feels unseemly rather than excited exciting. So what rather than so funny and obvious instead of new? Like that's why I don't like critics. That person's from the L.A. Times and is considered a like a star critic or whatever. Like that's ridiculous. Like it's similar to what we were saying with Borat being like, you got to go into it knowing what it is. Right. And the critics just don't do that. So I consider like comedies like separate 
like or like movies like this just separate than like a normal like a godfather they're just different types of movies you can't compare them the same critics sometimes just don't see that they have blinders and i'm not going to do that with this movie i'm going to take it for what it is and how good it was and i do think the main character could have been better the ending i thought was terrible not gonna lie but i think just because of his historical significance on like high school culture uh, as in like in the movie industry movie realm and just going forward like just the cultural phenomenon this was and the joy ride. I'm going to go 68 on my 68. score for Project X. Yes, um, I'm definitely higher on it. I understand like, oh, like sometimes like the script, I know I always, I mentioned script and dialogue being an issue, but like in this movie, it kind of worked. Like the whole point of it was that. So I'm not going to really take, take too many points off of that. message. Like, it's just like, it's like also a point of a movie is to have themes that are lasting and that like you can look back on and like, actually have pride in yeah this one, it's like literally these kids are 17 years old i sound like an old man when i'm saying this but like it's like they act like the whole point of it was to be cool and like oh we did it yes we win we did it right but like and then thomas is like i was charged with six crimes afterwards jb was charged with crimes like the, these great kids now are like yeah there wasn't a payoff that was worth it yeah and then it's like and then like and then he like they have the romantic subplot where I'm just like, okay, what's like the point of this? And he's hooking up with like two other girls at the party. (laughs) It's just like, I'm just like, okay, like we can do that, I guess. But, um, it's just like, I I didn't like the, like the last 30 minutes where it's just the mayhem. I didn't like, where it's just like the Mm -hmm. cops, like the The midget car in the pool. The balls is actually hilarious. But like the car going in there, you start to think like, okay, this is like not fun to watch anymore. Like it would yeah. be watching the montages and like the girls dancing, the guys dancing, and you got like obviously the booze flowing, and popping the gnome. The but then when everyone, when people start stealing horses off, like throwing cops off of it, I'm like, this is like almost too much. Like yeah, way too much. too much. And it's just not even entertaining at that point. And like they have flash grenades being thrown. I'm like, Jesus, like what is this movie turning into? But I live for the montages. I live for the soundtrack. I live for Costa. Okay. I love for that's, why, that's why I put it over 50. Okay. Yeah. I just, I like, I understand like my score might be a little high, especially when I like when we review other movies and I'm going to be more critically. I'm surprised you went 68. I just think that it just deserves more. Like it just deserves more. I think it did more for these types of movies, these monta like the montages and like these, the classic nerd story. I think it just was so unique around it and the way it was filmed and that the way it was filmed and worked. I, in my eyes felt like it was going to start a trend you thought you were going to see a lot more like party high school films like this mm-hmm. and the way they were shot and but like, then cancel culture kind of pivoted like it's like days and confused where it like leads up to this major party and it's a bang yes but this is like a newer days and confused where it's like it's like modernized like there's ecstasy in mm-hmm. this right there's like edm music banging everywhere so it's like and it's like like the end of their senior year so i think it's like that aspect is very cool uh the way they adapted it a little bit um let's talk about miles teller so miles teller is uh, in this movie weirdly with the name miles teller so they see him at the grocery store and they say like miles teller and like in the movie he's not a uh he's not an actor he is a uh, baseball uh, college baseball player (laughs) but they used yeah yeah and they used like their names like jb his real like actor name is like john something brown or something and like thomas mann is thomas in the movie they used like in kirby's like kirby like make her, it seem her like name is Kirby. not acting right it's yes like, make it seem like it's like a documentary but right. uh like a, like something that's actually happening and like when i was like younger i thought like this did happen 
Like, well, this, this, that story did happen in Australia. Like, it was based off an Australian yeah, you're party. Right, you're right. And that kid gets yeah. interviewed by the news. And he's like all blinged out, right? Yeah. Sunglasses on. Mm-hmm. Like, like, throwing the most epic party, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but Miles Teller in this, I thought it was kind of funny to see him here. Uh, this is like before he became like massive. Like, it was before Whiplash, before he was like critically acclaimed and everything like mm-hmm. that. So, uh, I thought it was just, he was, I think, I don't know if 21 and over had come out yet. Cause like he, he, 20, he, that's like an early film with Miles Teller. But, uh, I thought like, it was the year him, after seeing him in this movie, the only recognizable actor out of anybody is, I think it was just kind of funny. Like how is it randomly Miles Teller in this movie? Yeah. And, and like, but like, I also wanted to say really quick when they see him in the grocery store, um, Costa, uh, knows he's like a very, like he's a renowned baseball player from the area. He's now in college, right? He's coming to this high mm-hmm. school party. Right. And Costa says, uh, bring your mitt. Get, get out of a catch. Like, <laughs> and I was just like, that, JB, JB turns and goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like most ridiculous lines. It's like low key, just way more hilarious. People give it credit for What are you going to say about Miles Teller? But uh, his only like well-known role, like he was in a bunch of like shorts and then he was in a TV series for like one episode, but like he was in Footloose, the remake ah, as like Willard. Yeah. So like that was the year before this movie. So he still wasn't really Miles Teller, you know, like, like um, you mentioned 21 over, which was kind of like him coming onto the scene more. It was kind of a similar movie to this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 21 over is a wannabe hangover. Yeah, exactly. That was the year after, but then obviously 2014, we have Whiplash with a spectacular movie with J.K. Simmons. So Miles Teller, like, that's kind of where you see this turn. And, like, obviously, like, he failed with Fantastic Four with Reed Richards. That was just a disaster of a movie and obviously did not get a second. And then he's been trying for, like, these other movies like War Dogs with Jonah Hill. Bleed for this when he played the, the boxer that was paralyzed, uh, considered paralyzed, but then comes back and fights again. So, and he's coming out with Top Gun Maverick next year. So you see this trend where he's starting to get in more well-renowned movies, not necessarily the best movies as in like critically, but still like well-renowned. Right. I think a lot of them, uh, we'll get into his career. Like when we do our um, race to the Oscar segment, but uh, he's in a lot of movies that have potential to be very well received critically and for some reason they don't but we'll get into that um before we wrap up our review okay i want to uh just talk about some of the funnier scenes of the movie just because i love like reminiscing with them so um the scene where uh they're all chanting thomas's name it's like the big three at the top jb oh, yeah Costa, and like they're saying thomas thomas and he's like giving the finger to the helicopter and he's about to jump off uh the roof onto the bouncy house and uh <laughs> He, he just does it. He's like, yeah. well, does it. Then JB takes his glasses off. He's like, tell my parents I love them. And like, he cans his glasses to Costa. And Costa puts his hand on him. He says, JB, don't do it. You're way too fat. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, like, like the, and then there's, there's a scene where like JB's hooking up with the girl, right? You remember this? JB's hooking up with her yeah. and the girl's on top of them. And then it's like on the grass or whatever. Then you have Thomas and Costa just like cheering him on, hands up, going crazy. And then like you know, the girl's like grabbing his love handles and the camera like zooms in on the love handles. Yeah. Like the, like, the camera. Really, like, almost scary funny. And like people forget about it. It's like very crude humor for sure. But I think it takes it to another level. It's also why I kind of view it, uh, I view it in the light I do. And yeah. like the old guy at the party with the muzzy, right? Yeah, the freak guys found out, found out about it because of Craigslist. Right. And then like the midget getting stuffed in the oven and then like just getting out of the oven and just punching everybody in the nuts. Like, just like 
It was, and that, that was a big part of the trailer. That was like a big yeah, part. Yeah, right, right. Oh, Great Vern, trailer. Was that Vern Troyer? Yeah, I think so. Right? RIP if that was him. Yeah. He was like, oh. people in the nuts. And then he ends up sending the car into the freaking pool. Mm-hmm. But uh, just what a throwback. I'm so glad we reviewed that movie. We'll do a couple of these uh, type of reviews coming up. Okay? Probably because there's not many new releases coming until uh, – well, you have Trial of Chicago 7, October 16th. And then Borat. Is and Borat. But after that, we're going to have a little lull based on all these pushback releases. So maybe we'll throw in another throwback review. Flex, what's the next segment? Race for the Oscar. Okay, do you want to explain what that is, Flex? So, Race for the Oscar, we pick two actors or actresses and who will that are similar in their career, their career path, the movies that they've done. Success. And, yes, success. And we, we debate who will get an Oscar first. Who will win one if they if they if either ever do win an Oscar first? So this like we just reviewed Project X. We talked about Miles Tower. Miles Tower is a great comp. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf's a decent comp. They're both similar age. Uh, Shia LaBeouf's thirty four and Miles Tower. Oof, um, crap. He's like thirty three. Thirty three, I think. Yeah, thirty three. So very age right there. Comps. Both in very big movies, and they're going to be bigger movies soon. Shia's kind of taken a step back and done a lot of indie movies, not necessarily big movies. But now, like Tax Collector just came out, didn't do critically well. But he's been in a lot of things that you know about. And same with Miles Teller. And they've both been in those, like Whiplash, and then Shia LaBeouf has been in, like, Honey Boy and Peanut Butter Falcon. So, Dr. O, I guess, start with you. Who will get an Oscar first, or if you just want to talk about it? Let's just talk about it first. Let's hash out their careers, okay? Right. You, kind of did a good, you did a great job to comparing the two, why they're good comps, right, to start with for this first segment. So uh, let's just go over, like, how they started. They both were studs, like, early on in their career. They got uh, – we have uh, Shia with the Trans- Transformers franchise. You have Miles Teller. He had, like, the Divergent series, and he had the Fantastic Four early on. Obviously, those weren't good movies for Miles Teller, but mm-hmm. they kind of helped put him on the map for sure. Um, and then they had like their critical acclaim. Like you have like, uh, we have even before honey boy and peanut butter Falcon, you still had like fury, um, and lawless, right. From Shia, obviously Teller with whiplash. So they were on the rise kind of at the same time. Uh, but I think recently we've seen the emergence of Shia, like this, I, I call it the Shia songs, right. With peanut butter Falcon and honey boy that like, he's on a tear right now that uh, it's going to be hard to stop him. He almost seems like a Joaquin Phoenix to me. Because, like, Joaquin Phoenix, remember, he got in a bunch of trouble back in the day. He quit mm-hmm. acting, became a rapper, right? Do you remember <laughs> that? It's, like, very Shia-esque behavior. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Shia is so bold with his roles and, the, his, and how he plays them. And he has, like, dude, we obviously saw the method acting he did over the Zoom with Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He's a right. freaking psychopath. And it's a lot of times those psychopaths become, like, these great actors that win Oscars. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm leaning more towards him, but I'll give my final answer after I let you talk about these two for a sec. No, I definitely agree with you. And I think that it's just a little different between these two because Shia LaBeouf was a childhood like actor that everyone right. knew. Yeah, yeah. Right. Even Stevens uh, in like the early 2000s. And then he got you know, like Holes, like also a very well-known movie for like Disney movie. So like he had those chances earlier on than Miles Teller at an earlier age. And then that it was able to like catapult him to like 
more well known. Uh, yeah, like going being I Robot with Will Smith, or like you know what I mean, or like just or, the Transformer yeah, movies, Disturbia. Disturbia, yeah, another which actually I think is a great movie, and like you, you, that's another throwback review potentially. Yeah, and like Surfs Up, he was the main character's voice. Like he like just got these opportunities at such a young age. It's unbelievable that Miles Tower didn't. So I think that like allowed Shy to kind of rise up to where Miles was like at, later on in his career, but mm-hmm. earlier. But then again, like you said, he kind of took that break, right? He took he took that like not I won't say like the same thing as Joaquin Phoenix. But he's he kind of trouble too. Like he yeah, he was rediscovering himself, and then now he's doing these indie movies. Say that he just got arrested. He just got he just got charged. Oh wow! Shia did with a petty theft or something like that from the summer. He got charged oh, another time. I think, and like I did, I out of curiosity, I did look up his net worth or how much money he had. Or I go I googled Shia LaBeouf, and the first question was like, "Is Shia LaBeouf poor?" <laughs> Like Maybe. the first Google he just result. The way he dresses now and the way he right, looks. but he still has over twenty five million, I guess. Allegedly, so, allegedly. So definitely, like that low in his career kind of like makes this like matchup kind of even out because that's when Miles Teller kind of came onto the scene. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess I kind of messed that up when I was saying it earlier. But uh, yeah, I, I think Whiplash just like was that is probably the best performance out of. These two, if I was like to pick was the best performance, probably Teller and Whiplash. Although, like, obviously, I have to see Honey Boy because apparently Honey Boy is something special from Shia LaBeouf. But I think critically, like, I would say people, you took a poll, was the better performance. They would say Teller's there. And then Teller, he hasn't um, done many great movies lately. He was in a lot of, like, uh, movies that had potential to do well, as I, like, previewed before. He had uh, the boxing movie with Vinny Pazienzo. Plead for this. Plead for this. He had Only the Brave, right? I think it's a fireman movie. Yep. And uh, he had the PTSD movie that he uh, – I, I have it right here. I'm just going to list it. But he had the uh, PTSD it was movie. There's also War Dogs. Like, that was expected to be really good. Right. Like, uh, Jonah Hill. Uh, oh, oh, thank you for your service. That's what I was thinking of. But uh, like things, that, movies that you would expect to do well, but surprisingly they they kind of crashed and burned. Mm-hmm. Which yes. is kinda, so it's like, why is he the reason that they're crashing and burning? Okay, whose fault really is it? And he was also, but like at the same time, he's not really um, viewed any differently by like producers of movies. He was a finalist for the Elvis role. Okay, or that I was shocked he didn't get that. That went to Austin Butler. I thought he was going to get it too. I thought yeah, he was, a shoe in for that. Right. And so uh, it's just like, people still view him very highly. And, and, and he's going to be in Top Gun. Yeah. And I, I'm excited for his role there. His mustache looks spectacular. He looks like he's going to be like modern day Iceman. Modern day Iceman. That's what he looks like. Like that one, obviously not just like Iceman didn't have the mustache, but I'm saying like the way he is, like the confidence, the bravado. And he gets, and Miles Teller gets kind of gets uh, crapped on for uh, allegedly being uh, too cocky. Right, too cocky. Yeah, that's definitely and, in his. Like, he's kind of like I kind of don't believe all those rumors, but people have said that before. He thinks very highly of himself, and Shia seems much more humbled. It seems like you're rooting for Shia more than um, Miles Teller. But the thing mm-hmm. is, I, I would pick like I'm like if I the what goes into your factors here is like is Shia going to stay out of trouble enough, right? Where he's mm-hmm. just going to find and hone in on his career. I think that's why I'm going to take Shia LaBeouf. Because he's not as uh, well, he's more committed to his roles. A lot of times, you're more committed actor. You finally you might have a couple misses, but then you finally hit right with a certain a specific role. We see the commitment with recently with a tax collector. Okay, we've heard stories of his method acting. I'm gonna go with um, 
the more volatile actor, which probably was, which a lot of times leads to an Oscar. And he's very talented. So Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, I definitely think that that's the way to look at it. Just like the volatility, the the huge, like either it's going to be like he's going to be in a great in this one role or he's just not going to like it's going to be tax crash collector. And burn. Yeah, crash and burn tax collector or just not even make it make it to the set. Right. Like just because of trouble. He so fired. Like, he yeah. fired. And like like Honey Boy, as an example, like that movie critically acclaimed. And people were like saying like, there was Oscar buzz around Shia LaBeouf, but he wasn't even nominated. And he didn't, he wasn't even close to being nominated, not nominated, but I don't feel like it was because of the, the actual role and like how good he, or how good he was. Cause he was great. I think it was more because it's Shia LaBeouf. I think that might be like something where they, that hurts him in this race between the two yeah. of them is that he's not going to be considered by the Academy because of who he is. And that might take time. So I think that might hurt him. And the detractor for sure. Right. And also another thing they have to look at is roles coming up. Like Miles Teller, like we mentioned Top Gun, but that's not going to be like an Oscar. Like he's no. not going to be in the running. But it's a good way yeah. to get him back in the map for sure. Right. It gets him back in the forefront of blockbuster movie. Tom Cruise next to him, of course. Then you have like the arc and the art bark, this animated movie coming out. Like he's just a voice. That's not an Oscar. Right. That's but okay. then like you have these movies to keep, keep him in that, like coming up with him that are in pre-production, such as Flag Day. That's Sean Penn's directing. Uh, and that is with Josh Brolin and Miles Teller. And right. that one's more like about bank robber and a con man just trying to like, like robbing bank, like robbing banks. Potential and that. So that's potential for like just a great drama mm-hmm. that could like say like to the Oscar, the Academy saying, Hey, this guy's for real. And then he has another movie with uh, De Niro um, coming out about, I, I forget something about like prison sent prison. But uh, that's another movie coming out. He's building a new company, man. Like he, so he's, he's getting next to these stars, like Brolin and De Niro, and then like Sean Penn directing, who's well, he's a well-known director. That cast in Spiderhead with uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth. We just talked about so, that. So, yeah. So, like, as in Shia is more going towards these indie roles, but not being consi- like recognized by the Academy, Miles Teller has, like, the Academy, like, he can get seen by the Academy with these blockbusters or being next to these great actors that the Academy is going to say, like, I'm seeing this movie no matter what. He's on the so radar. I feel like that's on his side. And even though like, I do think Shia LaBeouf, because of his method acting, his commitment to a role, uh-huh. and just pure acting ability, I think is better than Miles Teller. I'm going to go with him. But I do think okay. that's a risk, like a high risk. I think what I'm starting to think is, if I had to make a bet who would get nominated for an Oscar first, it would be Miles Teller. But if you were to ask me who's going to win an Oscar, I would say Shia LaBeouf. Right, I agree with that. I feel yes. Miles Teller is not going. He might get an an Oscar nominated role, maybe a supporting role. Shia is the one where he's going to. Everyone's going to be like, okay, this is where Shia just is finally. It's his time. It's so good that he he's. It's so good that it's the best performance or whatever that you can't overlook it, and that's why he's. It's not only going to be nominated, but win. Man, that goes with like the craziness that comes with Shia LaBeouf. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think I think that's a great, almost the best way of putting it. But they're both very talented, and I'm a fan of both, and I hope I get to see them in both, both uh, showcasing their stuff very soon. Maybe not on the big screen, obviously, with what's going on. But uh, I'm especially uh, excited for Top Gun Maverick. I really want to see that movie. Right. And I'm a big fan of the original Top Gun. I know you are too. Yeah, definitely. Who's uh, fanboys here? Maybe mm. not as much as you, but I still love Tom Cruise. Danger Zone, baby. Danger oh yeah. Zone. See, uh, maybe we'll get a remix in there for the five. <laughs> Upcoming. Do you think? Do you think Miles Teller ever gets another shot at being a superhero? I would say Shia LaBeouf becomes a superhero before Miles Teller becomes one again. 
I don't. Th- I definitely disagree with that. You, there's already rumors that Shia LaBeouf's being in talks with Marvel. How? Th- I don't get that. He was Iceman a couple like a couple oh, weeks. We were just. I don't get that though because Marvel, like Dis- like a Disney company, like they just don't want that affiliated with them. Like Robert Downey Jr., they had to wait till he was sober, like like years down the road to start like Iron Man and everything. Like they were afraid of casting him. They wanted Joaquin Phoenix if they couldn't get Benedict Cumberbatch for uh, Doctor Strange. They're, 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 but again, like, that's after his recovery. I, I feel think, like they're going to wait on Shia until he's like normal, like the ties on professional. in the Shia sounds right now. Okay. Did you not hear that? We are in the Shia. I don't think they're going to capitalize on it because he's too much of a risk right now. Like you just said, he got know, arrested and charged. Right now. And like, but an MCU Disney about, movie? What? An MCU Disney movie? They're, they're not going to take that chance. If the, the kids are seeing the movie. Of like even Stevens, like the reunion. Oh my God. Disney. It's the reunion. And like, if they're going to wait. You don't, you, I think, you think Miles, Miles Teller bombed when he led a superhero movie. He bombed. He definitely like, did. Why would you, why would you go back to him? He's like, they gave Michael B. Jordan a second shot. People associate Miles Teller with Fantastic Four. But they, but I feel like Miles Teller can prove himself with these roles as a drama, like just a plain good actor. And like Michael B. Jordan has, and then get a villain role or something, not Miles Teller. Like, that would be weird. Like if they need but, to cast an X-Men character, right? And they yeah. choose Miles Teller. Like a Cyclops. Shia LaBeouf. You, who are you going to choose? Probably Shia LaBeouf. I don't know if they want to like take that risk though. It's a Disney company. Like, are you, are you saying that because of the Fast Times thing and like the recent charge? I guess that's Yes, why. definitely. And also his history. Yeah. And just like, like I said, yeah. Robert Downey Jr., they didn't even, like John Favreau had to push for it. They were still hesitant even though Robert Downey Jr. was known to be sober. Right, it's like that, that, like that presence, think, that professionalism. An arrest is going to hurt him for sure. I just don't think he's going to get one in a long time. He, he needs to show it. This material, like yeah. I can see him being like, if he doesn't get like a Marvel role, DC doesn't care. Warner Bros. doesn't care. Warner Bros. Yeah. Doesn't care. But it doesn't have to be Marvel. Yeah. Okay. I, I just think it's interesting uh, that comparison as well. Who will get a like their second chance or their first chance, but the risks. People have been wanting Shia in a superhero movie because they think he could. Like, do something special like people are talking about him as like wolverine i don't hate that idea either and you know he would like get absolutely yoked because he's so committed to a role he would really go all out like hugh jackman like had like five pieces like five flank steaks like a day or something crazy like that absurd like i will have 10 if he has to it's 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 impossible (laughs) well okay so uh that's our decisions there um interesting first segment uh interesting uh debut of a segment i kind of loved it oh yeah there'll be more to come there'll be more to come so that does it for this episode of the drive-in pod okay make sure to follow us on uh, instagram follow us on twitter make sure you subscribe to the pod subscribe to the blog we're on apple podcast we are on spotify and soundcloud okay we'll see you next week smell ya later